Hello, cheese friends. Welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. It's been a while. I hope you've missed me. Over the last few years, we've seen the fall of some of the great cheese shops in the country. Fortunately, some others have hit the scene in a big way. One of those shops would be Agnes Cheesery in Pasadena, California. This shop and restaurant was started by wife and husband team Vanessa and Thomas Talaka Kalb. Though initial planning started well before the pandemic, Vanessa and Thomas had to traverse their first days in wildly unsure times. I chatted with Vanessa to get all the deets on how they managed to get through it and how they're faring now. I am a head cheesemonger and owner of Agnes Restaurant and Cheesery in Pasadena. Um, And I got started when I was living in San Francisco. I was working at Flower and Water, um, a restaurant up in the Bay Area, and met uh, the folks of the Cheese School of San Francisco and really became friends with um, Noreen and Kiri Fisher and was like, I need to learn more about this, took a couple of classes and then decided I didn't want to go back to the kitchen. I wanted to work full time in cheese and that I hope to open a cheese shop someday. And um, I talked to Noreen and she said that they were actually getting ready to open up Fisher's Cheese and Wine in Larkspur and asked if I wanted to join the team. Um, I jumped at the opportunity and said, I want to open a cheese shop tell me all the things. And Noreen really put me on the path of like, okay, you'll need to do this. You need to do that. Taste this. I would be like, this has mold. And she's like, okay, taste it. And I'm like, and she's like, how are you going to know? And I was like, okay. And now I tell my mongers that they're like, this is moldy. And I was like, how does it taste? And they're like, I'm like, how do you know? Cause cheese is mold. Um, and then, uh, got this opportunity to come see this space in 2018. And at first we were like, this is too big. This is too big. Um, But we decided that it was the perfect fit and um, uh, took that opportunity. And here we are. Well, then let's get into it. Tell me all about Agnes (laughs) Restaurant and Cheesery. Like what's going on? It's you and your husband? Yeah, my husband Thomas. Um, he's from Iowa. His it's named after his maternal grandmother, who was born the same year that the building was erected, so 1922. Uh, the building was a former horse stable for the fire department, and the fire department took up one whole city block. Um, and when we dug up the surrounding, um, or the I guess the building, we took it to four walls in the roof, and the dirt. There were horseshoes, train ties. At one point, it was an apothecary building, like a pharmacy or something, because we found bottles. Uh, there's a garage mechanic mural on the wall that we kept on the brick. Uh, what else? We heard that it was also a nightclub in the late '80s. Uh, there, it was so many things and it's historic. So we had to actually jump through a lot of hoops to get the facade, the color, correct, the, all the windows and everything. Um, but she was 
Mary Agnes McDonald was four, nine and had 15 children. And his mom was number 14. (laughs) Oh boy. So she was constantly cooking and entertaining. And, and we just kind of wanted that like homey feeling. And we chose the word, uh, cheesery. It's kind of in a made up American term for cheese shop, like fromagerie is for French. And so we thought how clever, uh, Agnes restaurant and cheesery. And, um, it, it kind of has that feeling of like, I've been here before. This is familiar. I know something about this. So it's, it's nice. I can't wait to visit. Um, and he, is he doing the restaurant side and you are mostly on the cheese side, but how does, how does that work? Correct. Um, I am also classically trained as a chef, but I kind of, we stay in our lanes, but help each other navigate like, oh, how, what should I, you know, how should I cost this item or what ingredients should I use for this? And how should we market this? Thomas is really great at that. And then he'll come to me and say, hey, I really want to put on this sandwich or this pasta and I really want to put a cheese. What are some options? You know, and I get excited about something I tell him about it or uh, we taste it together and it's it's fun to be able to blend the two a lot of people will say like there's a lot of cheese on your menu and it's like well (laughs) we we do have a cheese shop (laughs) so and the owner is from Iowa (laughs) so cornerstone (laughs) yeah um and it it just made sense to, to do that. And it's nice to have the shop to be able to offer that. There's a lot of restaurants that can only get what cheese they can get because that's what their vendor or distributor has, or they don't meet the minimums for a lot of things. And I work with other local restaurants too, and they'll come in and say, Hey, I just want a pound of this. I'm like, okay, like, you know, I I'm helping you because you can put great cheese on your menu and not have to say, no, I'll just get whatever's generic because that's what my distributor has. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is the menu kind of based like seasonally and you guys like sit down ahead of time to figure out what cheeses you want to do? Like, how does that work for the menu? Like writing that out? It is seasonal. Um, uh, like every quarter we, we just release the summer menu and so we'll come into a late fall and winter soon once all tomatoes and things go out and all that's left is root vegetables (laughs) um and some things are constant like the briar rose fromage blanc that cheese as a dish will stay but the set around it will change so whatever is in season and right now Thomas was really craving a lox and bagel one day. And he was just like, I can do this with the fromage blanc. So we cure our own trout. We have a everything bagel spice. We make our own flatbread to go with it. And then we highlight the fromage blanc and other things are just the accompaniment. Um, For one of our most popular salads, the green oak lettuces, we wanted to keep the whole dish basically vegetarian and vegan without the cheese, which meant that we needed a vegetarian rennet cheese. And we wanted something that was like sharp and nutty and interesting. So we chose Aries uh, from Shooting Star Creamery. And I fangirled so hard when I met her uh, a few weeks ago. (laughs) I think we like caught her off guard because Thomas and I were like, oh my God, we love your cheese. And she's like, okay. (laughs) Um, 
But I think she was also just in a state of overwhelm because that was also her first <laughs> conference too. So really, yeah, and oh God, like got to guessed. win an award and really yeah. kind of irritate dad by uh, <laughs> beating him out a little bit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, so Aries is something that we chose. I forget what other cheese we were considering, but it was a vegetarian rennet, so we were like, okay, Aries done. Like that's no brainer. Um, what else? We have a Reuben ravioli on right now. And, you know, Reuben usually gets a Swiss cheese. And at first, Thomas suggested a cheese that everybody knows and loves, but I won't say mostly because of the price point was too high. To to make this dish reasonable, the price point would have been too high. And then something half of the price, which is also really great, a Swiss cheese that we grate on top. It, it's served with the mustard cream sauce and cornichons and it. It's so oh my good. god um I'm already hungry <laughs> <laughs> wow that sounds amazing like how many people are employed throughout the business and like can you break down which like how many people are behind the cheese counter and how many people are in the restaurant about uh we're over 70 employees we are wow. over seasonally between 70 and 80 employees and the shop has six or seven employees. Um, and I'd say the rest is 65 front of house and maybe 40 or I guess 40% um, back of house. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of training. We have brunch, midday dinner, the shop, <laughs> there's a bar. So <laughs> there's, a lot of moving parts and a lot of things to juggle, uh, but it's it's been very fulfilling to, at first it, it was crazy. At first I, I remember Thomas saying, what do we need, like five servers? And I like looked at him like he was crazy. And I was like, do you know how big this restaurant is? And now all of a sudden it's like, I, when I scroll through the server schedule, I'm like, this never ends, <laughs> this never <laughs> ends. I just wanna know who's working today. <laughs> like how much seating would you say is in the restaurant uh let's see 49 in the back patio and maybe 30 in in the main dining room there's eight at the bar and 12 in the parlor shop area um that was what was in the plans for the restaurant. And then the city is so awesome to allow us to uh, get permitted for a parklet. Uh, and that has another 30 to 40 seats uh, out there. So I can't do math that quickly. Yeah, it's but a lot. 120 <laughs> and 150. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's always so interesting to hear these numbers too when you haven't been someplace because online and like through social media or whatever, like it looks so quaint and everything looks so nice and like little, but that sounds like a, that's a hefty footprint for sure. Yeah. We wanted to, when we designed the restaurant, we wanted to have different experiences. So if you just wanted a glass of wine and a snack, a cheese board, you sit at the bar or the front uh, parlor. Um, we reserve all of that and the front porch, which is the off street dining for, um, walk-ins. And then the main dining room is kind of where you see it's an open kitchen, one long line. So you can see everything that's happening. And then what we call the Zenden patio is just a beautiful Ivy vines along the brick wall. There's a trellis, uh, with lights and ceiling fans, during the winter, that is sealed off from the rain. And now during summer, we open that up and it's really great outside. 
So there's different experiences. We also have a private dining room. Um, so different experiences that people can have. Do you do classes in the private dining room too? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's amazing. I, one of my questions literally is like opening a business is tough. So what are the, some of the things that you did to prepare? Like, and there sounds like there's so many different pieces to this. Like, how would you even go about preparing? Yeah, it was, it was the most difficult thing and the most difficult time to have done it. Um, We spent a lot of time, like I said, we saw the space in 2018 and we started construction January, 2020. That's how long it took the city to approve all of our permits, but we had been locked into everything, all of our contractors, the subs, all the pricing for the materials and the design by January, 2020, because that's the permits that got approved for the design. And then COVID hit March and we were gung-ho guns blazing all these things that we were just like oh we're gonna do this brunch breakfast lunch dinner shop classes catering all of these things and then COVID really like halted everything and kind of put a lot of things into perspective for us um we opened June 2021 and we thought everybody was going to be ready to come back to work and surprise they were not (laughs) so uh we were we only had enough staff to open for dinner, which is fine. We opened for dinner slowly. And luckily in LA, then they had just allowed indoor dining at six feet and 25% capacity. So that was great. And because of June, we have the largest capacity in our back patio. So that worked out for everybody to feel comfortable. And then we slowly like implemented certain things, but it was like in the morning time, I would open the shop, take all my deliveries, set the shop up and do whatever I can. By four o'clock, I was changing my apron. I was either expediting or I was serving that night. We had three servers, two line cooks and our two sous chefs and Thomas, my husband were on the line. If I wasn't expediting, um, Thomas would be expediting and I was serving on the floor. So it was my general manager, my beverage director and me and three servers serving tables. <laughs> and slowly it got better, more people applied and things got a little bit easier. And then it's like, every time you take two steps forward, you take three steps back. Something happens that like Omicron, five people turn in notice. All of a sudden it's like, the, it's we're just like, I'm living Groundhog's Day. <laughs> over and over. Um, and we were just so like throws everything at the wall and see what sticks and then keep our heads down. And I think this year was kind of the most time that Thomas and I have had to kind of take a step back and look up and say, we have a general manager, we have an AGM, we have a service director, we have two sous chefs, we have all these people who want to make Agnes work and want to help us. And now we can slowly start to like give more of our responsibilities away and say, this is our vision. This is our beliefs, our ethos. Do you want to join us and go forth and I guess share our message? (laughs) It sounds a little bit like a cult, but it's like, (laughs) it's, we can't do this forever, you know? And it's like, I will be there. I want to be there because I want to be a cheesemonger. But now I have to wear the hat of like filing workers comp claims and like signing up for our next liability insurance seminar because I need to know like, how, what do I do when this happens? <laughs> like making sure payroll is done on time. So 
And I'm just like, oh, I just wanted to be a cheesemonger. Here I am. <laughs> and Thomas is the same. He's like, I just wanted to cook grandma food. And now I have to deal with the plumbing and like the electrician. <laughs> That's the joys of being a business owner, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about that of like the, the, all of the things that are kind of tacked on as a business owner that you don't really think about until the toilets break yes (laughs) so how do you how did you have you been managing those things just kind of as they come or kind of as they come and then trying to be more proactive instead of reactive like the air conditionings it's been incredibly hot here and we changed the filter a couple months ago we'll probably have to set a timer to change the filters again but this is like a 6 a.m job because it gets like so hot at 8 a.m here um and then we we set like we just set a routine service every three months for certain things. The water in Pasadena is incredibly hard, so it's already destroyed a bunch of like pipes and machinery because of that. So it's like, okay, well, we've learned a lot in this process. <laughs> Next time we'll do this differently. Um, and you know, we now with the managers, we can kind of say, okay, you're in charge of this. This is your responsibility. You're in charge of making sure this happens every time your responsibility and kind of delegate those things and then hold them accountable. Cause if we're like the keepers of everything, if Thomas said, like when we went to ACS, no, nothing happened, (laughs) but they had the tools and the phone numbers and the people to contact if anything were to go wrong. Um, but it's it's been a process of being like, oh, we have to change the air conditioning filters every two months. <laughs> OK, <laughs> you know, the things that people don't tell you and what Thomas and I always talk like anybody we told oh, we're going to open a restaurant in Pasadena and they're like, wow, that's hard. Thank you. Do you have any other advice? <laughs> something anything (laughs) little nuggets and like they didn't tell you that that workers comp actually requires you to do an audit every year and I Thomas was like just tell them no you're not going to do it and I was like I don't think that's an option and then our the broker it was like no that's not an option you every policy that you go to you have to do this audit every year you have to gather all this information and it's like why are these the things that nobody tells you and like prepares you for you know and and they just say like oh it's hard okay (laughs) help me make it easier you clearly have some experience so now I'm like anytime People are asking me, I, I don't know if you know um, Kurt Gerdahl, he, he, he's part of the Formaggio Kitchen back east. He has a little shop here on the West Coast now, and he actually helped me open Agnes. He's like, hey, what did you do for this? And I'm like, take all this information. Go, go, go. Like, everybody needs to know this. And I don't understand why, especially in the cheese world, it's such a smaller community that it should be more like the more cheese shops there are, especially like in New York, the more people are eating cheese and the better it is for the industry. And, you know, the last thing I want is for anybody's business to fail. But at the same time, there have been moments that has been like, oh, I can see why a lot of people took advantage of COVID just being like, oh, we can't, that this is hard and we're just going to close. And it's just, it's, it's, both it's up and down. Like, I'm so excited. This has been so gratifying. And then at the same time, I'm like, this is so hard. (laughs) 
Well, I know that you did some staging at other shops too, right? Before you opened, did you do um, some staging at like Cheese Bar or? I didn't stage at Cheese Bar. I did go visit um, because I was visiting Portland and it was actually a city that we thought we might move to. Our, we had a friend opening a restaurant up there. And so I said, oh, I can go work at Cheese Bar. Noreen used to work there. I should go check it out. I checked it out. That's actually where I met um, Sarah Munley and um, had heard of Steve Jones at that point. We had not met yet. And I worked prior to going full-time into cheese, worked at a cheese shop in Iowa city called bricks. Um, and they were all American, um, Midwest cheeses, uh, there. And then cheese school, uh, Fisher's cheese shop. And then out here, I worked in cookbook and Monsieur Marcel. And then I opened Agnes wild yes <laughs> it's funny because people ask me all the time like don't you want to open a cheese shop I'm like no I don't yes. I thought about it but I don't want to I like to travel a little too much so yes. <laughs> I can't just go wander around if I am stuck mm -hmm. in one place but I appreciate other people opening it I like you yeah. know Courtney and Taylor are trying to open a shop down in Burien and I'm like I'll gladly come work for you yeah. You want me to come cover some shifts? I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now that you have a little bit of time under your belt under Agnes, like um, how does the business look in comparison to what you imagined it as? It's a slowly but surely getting there um thing. Uh the first huge step for me was to offer cheese classes. And I had taken many cheese classes and assisted at the cheese school and so I understood the format of it but it was also like do I know enough about cheese to give people paying money my information and knowledge and then Thomas he was like shook me he was like you know a thousand percent more about cheese than these people I was like oh you're right about <laughs> that part um and that was a huge hit. It was more of the platform on which we were going to offer it. At first we were offering like to purchase tickets on toast. And then somebody made a really good suggestion of doing it on Resi, which is already our reservation platform. And they keep track of it as reservations for us, as opposed to me having to pull a report and seeing who signed up. And then I have to send out the reminder email the resi takes care of all that. So that was like a learning curve for me. Um, the nice part was that I have other staff that I could practice on. So I just put a sign up sheet of like, Hey, I'm doing like, I want to run, do a dress rehearsal of cheese class. If anybody's interested on in coming for an hour and a half on their day off to learn about cheese for free and people signed up and I was able to, you know, practice run on them. And through the course of teaching I always teach a 101 and then I was trying to like implement maybe old world new world cheeses of California cheeses of France cheeses of you know whatever and always changing one other have learned a lot in that process and researching um Steve Jones actually did a class with me on based on his book so I bought his book in he signed it and the ticket price had the book as well and people signed up and um 
the the course of studying for my CCP really opened up a lot of more knowledge that I could share with people. A lot of it was scientific and there actually been requests for me to do a 201, like a little bit more advanced. And right now, like, I love that the cheese school has like 20 people and other guest, um, you know, mongers or, uh, teachers to help do that. Right now it's just me and I'm slowly training other mongers on how to teach these classes, at least one-on-one, cause that's the most basic. Um, and then that way I can take a step back and kind of do other things or get other in- interested parties in. Like I said, we did one with Steve Jones, um, Lucy Hoffman and Jonathan Richardson came and did one uh, County of Savoy. So they did their cheeses based off of this small part of the world. And that was a lot of fun. I'm talking to Audra from Girl Meets Dirt who wants to come down and do a class on her jam. And um, Alex Brown was like, I made some cheeses in Spain. Let me come teach about it. I'm like, okay, great. Like I take, take the money. I'll charge. I'll, I'll, have the wines ready. I'll cut all the cheeses, but you know, I don't want to be the only one that is offering that. So that's been a huge step of how it's grown. Um, the next part is through Kate and Elaine and their PR firm has helped push me a lot. A lot of it was like, Oh, I have this idea that's festering in my head. And for them, if I say, Oh, I'm thinking about doing this, they hold me accountable. They're like, remember (laughs) that time when you said you wanted to start cheese club? I'm like, fuck, now I got to do it. Okay. So then I started. We need that though. We need that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we I started a quarterly cheese club. It, the first one was in May and that was coinciding with uh, American Cheese Month. So it was all American products in the box. Um, and the last one just got released on August 5th and it'll go through till um, end of September. And it's just kind of fun summer snacking. And it's honestly, whatever I felt like putting together that I wanted to showcase. And I've already planned the box for winter, which is coming out in November. And originally I wanted to do like Rush Creek and Brabander Reserve. And I was like, holy cannoli, these are two expensive cheeses that I cannot put onto these boxes. So I had to like make, okay, let's definitely do Brabander Reserve and maybe I'll do something else different but like I want to have more entertaining it's the entertainment box for the winter for family or for yourself um but you know thinking about those things and thinking about how I can be more involved in um ACS with like I signed up for a couple of committees this year um I Thomas and I are also starting a restaurant coalition in Pasadena for like local restaurants as well. So we had a first kickoff meeting and we're getting prepared to do a second meeting. So, and like do more community outreach as well as other, you know, we're so close to the Rose Bowl. How can we be involved with Rose Bowl games as a restaurant, as a cheese shop? How do I like get more cheese into people's company office parties and stuff like that? So as much as I want to be a monger, like zooming out and doing these next steps and having, you know, Kate and Elaine to like follow up with those people. I said, Hey, can you reach out to these people? Or, um, they, they are following up with me. Like, Hey, these, per- this person is reaching out. Like I told her I want to do something with the cheese coalition. Um, and then I mentioned you, 
um, and then really want to do a Mexican cheese class with Jessica in the shop, you know, things like that, where it's like, I'm trying to do more of the future things and then let my current mongers manage the, the shop. I love that because uh, it sounds like you're building community and that's, yes. <laughs> that's what's going to sustain for all yeah. of us. <laughs> um, well, what are you looking forward to with Agnes? Like, I know it sounds like you've got some big building blocks there yeah. and what are you kind of hoping that, uh, I mean, I guess you kind of already covered it, but anything else on the horizon that you're really looking forward to? Um. I guess continuing to grow and, you know, something that, something that I, I took to heart in the training that I got from Kiri and Noreen was cheese is a luxury and nobody needs it, but people want it. And so I want it to be a normal thing. Like in France, you go to the bakery to get a baguette you go to the cheese shop to get some cheese you go to the farmer's market to get some produce like it should be a part of everybody's diet and for those who are lactose intolerant I'm sorry <laughs> uh, but I have tin fish so they can eat that um, and just trying to get more awareness of like cheese isn't just Colby Jack or provolone and that it should all be charged what it's worth. Um, that was the biggest takeaway too from this ACS, like meeting these people. And I'm just like, that's what you're charged. Like once I knew what it was going on into the cheese and and I, I take the opportunity to explain this too in my classes, you know, when I have a Marabella as the wash rind category in my 101, I'm like, do you see how orange, basically orange this cheese is? That is grass fed. And then people are like, what? And it's like, it costs so much more to grass feed your cows than it is to grain feed. And like having that knowledge and sharing it with them, they can, then they can go into any cheese shop or go into a restaurant, just understand, oh, grass fed beef is going to cost more than grain fed. Look at this cheese. It must be good because it's expensive. Not necessarily, but like, you know, um, I took a couple of classes with, um, online sessions with Zoe and Liz Thorpe and they were talking about how um you know the maker up the street from you might be more expensive than what's coming over the pond because of like how heavily the government subsidizes that and I, I want people to know more about that and I would love to be more involved with the ACE Foundation and cheese coalition to share this knowledge how do i get more people in pasadena or the greater la to know more about cheese and um how to cook with it as well and that's the part where the restaurant is really nice because then they can be like wait i wouldn't ever do this with cheese like i just put it on a bagel and i eat it or i just eat like you know there's, it's so versatile and want more people to know about it yeah so you said that you took your CCP this year. Mm -hmm. How did you prepare for that? Mm, it was a lot of hyperventilating in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so when I applied, I didn't, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to. And I was like, oh, and Thomas is like, just apply, just apply. I was like, okay, fine. I definitely in the last two years of owning this shop had qualified based on the hours needed to do 
it was crazy. And um, when I got to the end of the application, they asked if you wanted to apply for any scholarships. And I was like, okay, well, I can apply for these two because I qualified to apply for them. I applied for it and was like, okay, I have the opportunity to defer for one year if I want to, if I don't feel ready or if I don't want to take it, it's a $35 application fee. It's fine if I choose not to. And then I ended up getting the Peterson scholarship and I was like, well, shit, now I have to take this. <laughs> and then it was a lot of hyperventilating and then a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of feeling like I don't deserve this, you know, and then rearranging my thoughts and said, okay, okay. It's, they believe in me. I should believe in myself and just googling everything was on the ACS website took the seminars on the face I'm on the Facebook study group and a lot of people posted a bunch of things printed out all these um flashcard information um and read Max McCallman was already started taking Zoe and Liz's um Stanford class and then found the Institute de Fromage YouTube thing and was like furiously taking notes. And I was like, I don't understand some of this stuff. And then I was talking to a another business owner who's around the corner from us. And he's actually, he was like, oh, I didn't realize so much organic chemistry went into cheese. He's like, I'm really good at organic chemistry. Do you want to study? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and so we, you know, brought Thai food and was just like, tell me about gram positive. What does this mean? And I read the sentence to him and he was like, oh, and he was like, yeast is this and it lowers the pH for this. And this is what happened. I'm like, oh, this is like cliff notes of cheese. <laughs> okay, this is great. And so it was nice to have that like, support group but also reading a bunch and Thomas we were in Disneyland a couple months ago and I busted out my flashcards he was like give them to me so he was like okay how much do cows eat in one day how what is uh this way what what temperature does this and people in line are like what is happening <laughs> we're standing in line these flipping through uh you know flashcards for cheese <laughs> So that, that was my study session. And uh, even on the plane coming over the morning of, and then, you know, I, all that I could do was all that I knew at the time of the test. How did you feel after the test? Good and bad. I was happy that it was over <laughs> and I could enjoy <laughs> the conference now instead of like making sure that I got to Iowa, uh, in time. Um, there were some questions that I was like, Whoa, this was more FDA questions than I anticipated. There were some, there was a lot that I was like, Oh, thank God for Zoe's like dry diagram that she like put. And I was able to draw that out and it all made sense. The, the math was mostly easy for me, but there was a lot of like uh, this cheese arrived with green and yellow mold and has a, a bland looking a paste and it tastes off. What are some options of what's wrong with it? And I was like, what? That's not enough information. <laughs> 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 so it, it was, it was 
good. I'm glad that it asked all of those questions and what it it is prestigious enough to it's not just like, oh, what would how many ounces of cheeses would you serve to people? But like actual scientific things that somebody who is certified should know. And it's like, okay, if I don't pass, then I know what's going to happen in Buffalo, <laughs> how it's going to go. Um, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't, I, everybody's like, how many do you need to pass? And I was like, I don't know. Nobody ever, they, they, it's nobody weighted. knows. It's yes. weighted. Yeah. And I was like, I can't answer this question because if everybody got the same question wrong, then they throw it out. So I don't know how many I can get right or wrong in order to pass. <laughs> Yeah, I think, well, I mean, it's been a while since I took mine. I took mine in 2013. And so yeah. I know that a lot of stuff has changed. Um, but I honestly feel like, and this kind of ties into something you were also saying about not feeling like you had the uh, knowledge enough to teach people about cheese, but like our own insecurities when we do something mm -hmm. like this, of like, we're going to focus on all of the ones we know we got wrong, but then we're going to forget yeah. about the like, tons of them that we just like blew through because we knew them already and so like yeah. those ones don't even like come into our brain at all we just focus yeah. on those few I mean I walked out of there feeling really good about it but I had to listen huh. to everyone else around me like just really nitpick all the ones yeah. that they knew that they got wrong and I'm like that's like one or two questions that you're really focusing yeah. on like what yeah. about all the rest <laughs> yeah that's funny because I knew I know for a fact that I got three wrong because that night I was asleep and woke up. And I was like, oh, I should have answered C. <laughs> and then I, of course, I sat there Googling at three in the morning, like, well, the, you know, what was this and what temperature was that? And I was like, okay, that is three out of 150. Who even knows what else happened? This is, it's going to be fine. Exactly. Fine. <laughs> exactly. But I do think that it is, uh, you know, something to be said about, I also feel the same way about like, if I were to teach classes, why would anybody pay me? Do I actually know anything about mm -hmm. cheese? Because we do get kind of like siloed into our own areas of like, mm -hmm. we surround, I surround myself with cheese people all the time. And I'm always mm -hmm. amazed by how much this person knows and like watching yeah. Courtney go through all of this stuff for Mondial. And like, I'm so yeah. excited for her, but I'm like, I could never do that. But I also know that like, we all have our own like talents and mine yeah. necessarily isn't so much about science. I tend to be more of a like networker. I can connect mm -hmm. with people. Um, so like, it's just, I just want to recognize our own insecurities and in all of our stuff. Yeah. Cause we know our stuff, we know our yeah. stuff and we know what we're good at. So yeah, that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you did great. And I'm excited for you to yeah. find out soon enough. Yeah. So soon. Um, all right. Well, I have a few questions that I always ask people at the end. Okay. Um, what is your current cheese crush? Oh. My all-time favorite is OG um Brabander, the, the real Brabander. Um and I right now cannot get enough of apricity. Okay. Yeah. Um what else? Oh, when I can get it in, um, I really like, um, I really like shabby shoe right now too, from, um, Blakesville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Rocks, uh, Rock Flower from Gormino and their Blue de Cambremont has like blown, blown me away. Yeah. Those are some great cheese crushes. Yes. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite pairing? Um, I did a West West Blue with a chocolate cake and a chocolate ganache. And there was West West Blue in the ganache. We just made like a little bun cake, um, melted the West West Blue into the ganache and then put a chunk of West West Blue on top. And that, uh, I did that for a tasting and that since that was the dessert course and that was the last thing that people ate that night, that was like the star of the dinner. People could not stop talking about it. And somebody, blue cheese is always like jarring for people and people are like, I love it or I hate it. And I knew at least if they tried it, they would be pleasantly surprised. And then I saw a few people ask for seconds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes, yes, I'm converting more people into blue cheese. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, I'll I'll take some, please. <laughs> Send some to Seattle for me. Um, what is your best or favorite cheese? memory or food memory in general just something that like you think about and that takes you to a certain place that is your you know your safe space in the brain um I always remember that my mom always had dinner on the table and it was sometimes the the way that Thai people eat is there's always a salad there's always a curry and there's always like a what it translates to as a bland soup but it's mostly just supposed to be bland because it's um not sweet or salty or spicy and it helps to like cleanse the palate and my mom making this like spread for just me and my siblings and it's always like is anybody coming over today and it's like no and it's like oh okay and that's that's how my parents show love is their cooking and I remember growing up in my younger I guess teenage and then younger 20s that when I would come home my parents would say did you eat yet and I'm like well, I am an adult I can feed myself okay but that is actually just their way of saying like I want to love you let me feed you and so those are like memories of my mom just preparing all of this food for us to eat and it's just like what's happening who's dying <laughs> um but yeah so but I bet you know now that's a comfort thing of like oh mom's yes. got mom's cooking for yes. me <laughs> yeah we go over there and like it's lunchtime and I'm like there's always food over there I'll eat at home instead <laughs> save my money <laughs> um well is there anything that we didn't cover that you want people to really know about Agnes and what you guys are doing um and then also um, like how can people find you guys uh, we are a full service cut to order cheese shop. Um, I have anywhere from 50 to 60 cheeses in the case and lots of different cheese and charcuteries, the best, uh, representation of what I can find in that category. And they rotate often. Um, that's the nice thing about having the restaurant is that I can put it on boards and move it through. Um, and then, uh, anything that goes with the cheese. So cheese shop only. A lot of people will say like, oh, will you carry my candles or my bath salts? I know 
does not go with cheese. Therefore, I will not carry. Sorry. Um, and uh, we're at www.agnesla.com. And then it's Agnes underscore Pasadena and Agnes underscore Cheesery. <laughs> and then I'm at V-N-E-S-S-T. So <laughs> V-N-E-S-T. So it sounds like V-Nasty. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what your yeah. friends call you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, it's been so great talking to you. And I, I need to book a trip to L.A. to Me come too. visit. I've been meeting yeah. to for a while, but it's, you know. All good. Little, We're that here. little that little pandemic yeah. thing has kind of gotten in the way a bit um yeah but yeah thanks for spending some time with me thank you yeah well I'll make it out to seattle soon i love oysters so we'll get there hit me up we'll go right. oyster hunting I oh i love that <laughs> all right i can't wait to plan a trip because their social media is highly effective in giving me severe FOMO. Thanks to Vanessa for taking the time to chat and being so open about the ins and outs of opening shop in these times. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Musical credits to my husband, Ben Muha. If you want to continue with the conversation, find me on Instagram or Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite listening platform so more people can find this podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember to keep spreading the word of good curd.